previously on Popping Collars. But can I do two? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Ricardo. I mean, like, sorry, not sorry. You just go. You just go with your white male straight privilege. Yep. Straight white man. You go right ahead, sweet. Yeah. I mean, let me just kind of let me just kind of spread out here and uh, yeah. Can you really explain it to me? Because I think yeah. I don't understand what you're I'm, saying. I'm sorry. Let's see. I'm gonna mute you, Betsy, so that I can. Uh, okay. Great. <laughs> Episode 98 of Popping Collars, the podcast that lives at the intersection of religion and pop culture. I'm Liz Easton. I'm going to be your host today. And yay! yay I'm, mm. the- <laughs> <laughs> I'm the mm. kid of the ordinary in the Diocese of Nebraska. And with me are my co hosts, Greg Knight in Palm Beach, Florida. Greg, what are you up to? Oh, Liz, uh, you know, just living the dream down here on the beach in uh, Florida. Uh, where I'm the director of children and youth ministries at the Church of Bethesda by the Sea. I should say, not to spoil the topic, but I should say that uh, once people understand the combination of you, me, and Ricardo on the show, they should know that it's a music episode that's about to happen, I think. That's a good time. Yeah, that's right. That's We've got job. that pattern going for us. We do. Which brings oh. us to our other co-host, Ricardo Avila from Los Gatos, California. Ricardo, how are you doing? What's going on? Hi, Liz. Liz, yes, as you said, I am Ricardo Avila. Thanks for the reminder. I, <laughs> I am the rector of uh, St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Los Gatos, California, uh, I just got back from speaking of music, uh, seeing Bohemian Rhapsody, the story of Queen, and I am ready to take the stage. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes you want to like go up in front of a bunch of people and just belt it out. I cannot sing half the stuff Freddie Mercury sings because it's way too high for me, but uh, it was so great just to see a rock movie and there was a preview a trailer there's going to be an elton john movie coming out oh, next oh summer. my gosh oh i would love crazily that. enough our special guest on this episode is jeremiah loveridge coming to us from sacramento california uh jeremiah tell us who you are and what you're up to yeah well thanks liz um i was um thrilled thrilled to be asked to be part of this so um currently currently teaching um theology at the high school level um come from a background of philosophy and theology, um, was in seminary for a few years, and uh, am now uh, directing those interests in, uh, in, another, in another avenue, trying to uncorrupt the youth, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Greg's trying to do, too. Our episode, episode 98 of Popping Callers, is uh, one of those episodes that I think that sometimes if you're a pop culture podcast or you talk about popular culture, you sometimes maybe take for granted what is right in front of your face. And um, the truth of the matter is that country music is the most popular music in the United States. It has more radio stations, more downloads, more listens, more concert sale tickets than any other musical genre. And sometimes we forget that, I think. So it seems worth uh, having an episode focused just on that music. I think listeners of our podcast know that I am a country music fan, kind of in the broadest sense of the term. I love especially classic country. I love the history of uh, country Western music because of when I was really into that music. 
um, really did have a big impact on my faith formation. So there's a lot of uh, stuff that we could talk about today and that we will probably touch on. But I'll get started by asking each of you, um, are you into country music? And if you are, what do you like? What do you listen to? And let's start with Ricardo. Oh, I thought we <laughs> what a surprise. Ricardo, oh, we never start with you. This is so great. <laughs> <laughs> great, great for you. I thought I'd just ride this out for the next minutes. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll say something. The thing that comes to mind when I think of country music, it's not necessarily that it's country music, but that it's music that uh, inspired me and came at a pivotal moment in my life. And I think you were alluding to something similar in your life. Um, when I first moved to San Francisco, I took the train across the country from Chicago, arrived in Emeryville, California, uh, December of 93, uh, 25 years ago, if wow. I may. And uh, my good friend, Beth, who I knew from Madison, Wisconsin, she was living out here. She picked me up. And within a week or so, she said, have you ever heard of Lucinda Williams? And I said, no. And, and that got me going on on some of that music. And then... Uh, Emmy Lou Harris's Wrecking Ball came out around then or was already out and I just got into it and I thought this is this is great stuff and I know this isn't like straight up country music middle of the country stuff but it's it's it's, it's about as country music as I get in terms of my embrace and um and uh and then I got into Gillian Welch and then at some point I found Patty Griffin which I know is now stretching it into more folk but um they all have songs about faith and I've said this before on this podcast, there's something about hearing it from a source, for me anyway, outside of the organized religion box that gives it more authenticity to me. How about you, Greg? Um, okay, so I, I grew up in North Carolina, which meant that I guess by default you had to listen to country music, I guess. Yep. I mean, it's just kind of like it's what's on everybody's pickup truck radio uh, when you're driving around. So um so what it, my memories of country music are associated with my childhood, which means that it's a heavy dose of like 70s and 80s country music, not so much 90s. Um, so when you're talking 70s and 80s, you're talking really like the height of outlaw country, Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, uh, Chris Christopherson, Merle Haggard. David Allen Coe, Tony Joe White, like these were the kinds of guys that I would listen to over and over again. And then uh, by the time the 80s rolled around, I fell in love with Barbara Mandrell and the Mandrell sisters. And um, and I was watching Hee Haw as a kid and all of this. So I was introduced to to, um, to all of that great music. And um, and so, yeah, it was just kind of in the background. It was like the soundtrack of your life, I think, growing up. I just love that kind of um, outsider kind of feel mm-hmm. to the to the country that I grew up with. What about you, Jeremiah? My parents were pretty conservative, and they they when we were children, they didn't really care for us listening to rock and roll, but they didn't have a problem <laughs> with with country. Um, so so we we, we lived while we were in working on our on our projects in the garage, various wood things. We would be we would be playing the um, the you know the the local. Um, country radio station. Then, of course, when I when I went um, when I went on to college, you know, I had to go through my uh, '70s classic rock phase, you know, um, mm-hmm. before I gradually got out of that. And um, I discovered um, I discovered Uncle Tupelo, and that was probably one of the um, yeah. I mean, and that remains probably one of my 
favorite favorite bands. I mean, their um, their their self titled album. Um, it's just it's just perfect. It's a work of art. I'm not alone in probably saying that. Um, oh, brother was was huge. Yeah, you know, bringing me bringing me into bluegrass after Allison Krauss and Union Station. Then it was kind of Gillian Welch, and then spinning out into other into other other genres um, or variations of the genre. Yeah. It's really striking to me because I live um, in Nebraska, obviously, and spend a lot of time traveling across the state by car, by pickup truck, as a matter of fact. And um, you know, the music, the radio stations are mostly country music stations, which is fine because I like that. And it, but, or, and um, contemporary country, like what is on the radio right now is so different mm-hmm. from the type of country music that any of us mentioned. And I'm sure that even within the country music community, there's like, you don't want to be a grumpy purist, but it's so different now from the stuff that I grew up listening to. You know, what's, what's, what's referred to as country music now is um, I think pretty far from, pretty far from its roots. There's, I think there's a deep spiritual tradition, right? Certainly in bluegrass and then Mm -hmm. that crosses over to kind of old school country quite a bit, but um also, I mean, the, the themes of like kind of the country music that I like, I mean, it's like it's death and drinking and regret <laughs> and mm-hmm. traveling. You know? yep. I mean, all, and all, it's, all these long ballads. It's, it's funny because those are all like old train songs, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, old boxcar train songs, old blues songs kind of mashed up with folk songs right so it kind of makes sense uh that it's that dark kind of like man i gotta work hard man i don't have any possessions you know all of that stuff and uh and then you know you you add that to sort of the amazing sort of songwriting and singing ability of somebody like a hank williams or something you can see how like that inspires an entire generation of musicians to want to do that there's always been an acknowledgement of sin in country music and of like rowdiness probably, but that the country music now seems to celebrate it in a way that does not have consequences. Maybe like kind of the bro country that's about like driving around and partying. Whereas some of the older stuff, they drove around and partied. And then like Jeremiah said that they went to jail. (laughs) There was a, there was a recourse, you know, for their, there's something about pop country now that feels safe, you know? Like, I think there's a reason that, like, they use country musicians to introduce football games. But it's a strange it's a strange hypocrisy, too. I mean, you know, when I was listening to it as a kid, you know, I didn't understand a lot of it. But as I got older and I started to recognize what they're talking about, I mean, it can be, uh, you know, startling sexual. Startling mm-hmm. Oh, sexual yeah. In, in some of these lyrics, um, you know, and it's like, it's I so I think that there's something about its facade as wholesome, but rather it's it's not. Yeah. Oh, I just love Code of Many Colors by Dolly Parton. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me cry. You know the song, you know the story of it? Yeah. Um, so when she takes his coat to school and everyone laughs at her and Dolly's voice at the end, like, because yeah. she's right. Yeah. Beauties and oh, and those lessons are so hard to find in music these days. You know, you mm-hmm. can, but you gotta, you gotta kind of slice through the the sarcasm and the the mm-hmm. kind of the cynicism. It's so funny that it's it's so straight up for me anyway, straight up sentimental. Mm-hmm. But it just mm-hmm. works, and there's no 
you know, it's guileless. It's it's not like wink, wink off the, you know, off to the side. You know, I would be sitting in theology classes at seminary or something like that, or even now, like some parishioner will bring up some incredibly genius, like, you know, article about whatever. And I, you know, I just feel lost most of the time. Like I can't get a foothold in whatever it is that people are talking about, you know? And I think that uh, what I appreciate about country music is what I appreciate about the church when I get it, which is simplicity. Like there's a simplicity to country music because it's kind of like, it's, it's not that it's watered down. It's that it's, it's filtered to sort of this raw emotion, like what you were talking about, Ricardo, with the coat of many colors, like, you know, it's this simple line that gets you to the raw emotion of what Dolly Parton's feeling in that moment. It, when I think of like my spiritual life, it's those moments that I remember and not like origin, you know, or like Erasmus or like something like that. Like that's stuff that I can't really like, I can't find a foothold in, but remember that you, you're talking to a theology teacher There's a theology <laughs> in the room. If you make an impassioned sort of like story about your life or something, I don't know. I connect with that, you know, like, I don't know. That's, that's just, I feel like country music has this kind of way of simplifying things a little bit. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jeremiah. Explain to me why I'm wrong. (laughs) I think that the, 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 the sincerity and the simplicity are interesting. I mean, I guess, you know, to hash that out a little bit more. I mean, certainly you get, you know, bluegrass and then harmonies, which is ridiculously complicated musically. Certainly the, the country music songs we love, you know, are, we'd say, are sincere. But, I mean, it seems that, say, rap, you know, and other R&B can be very direct and forthright yeah. as well. It seems interesting to me that country music and sort of American Protestantism, you know, revival-based kind of evangelical Protestantism, both have their roots in the South. And like you had, you know, the, the same, there was the same sort of like bed of creation that bore these two things. And there probably is like, if I knew more about the history of music, there probably is a direct connection between the development of country music and like revival style Christian worship but um, it just seems interesting to me that like there's two there seems to be two sides of country music. There's like the bar room and the church house, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and the, and the both of the they're coming from the same place culturally. And like mm-hmm. I was thinking earlier today how Flannery O'Connor referred to the South as Christ haunted. And sometimes it feels like like country music is also a little bit Christ haunted, even if not explicitly. But there is a sort of religiosity in that music. What's so interesting, when you were speaking about, you know, the, the, the roots in the South, it is really interesting. I mean, certainly you have, you know, bluegrass in Appalachia, but there seems to be a, a, a power, a, an uncanny power to Southern geography, mm-hmm. right? Like you just mentioned Caroline in a line from a song, and there's something that feels wistful about that, Yeah, right? I mean, you know, it's got to be, it's got to be, you know, West Virginia for John Denver just wouldn't work the same. But there seems to be something about the power of like naming Southern states and uh, right. <laughs> it has an emotional import. Right. It actually takes a, a lot of intelligence, in my opinion, to, uh, to communicate such heartfelt feelings 
with a simple eloquence. You know, I, I could sit here and be, you know, my systematic theology professor who was a sweetheart, but I, I could not understand him most of the time. But when Dolly's singing Jolene or, you know, Barbara Mandrell is singing, uh, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so good. She is so yeah. right. I take that song over Carl Bart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Barbara Mandrell. That's what we should be teaching in seminary. Carl Bart. You know, you were talking about, Liz, this idea of sort of the rise of Protestant you know, Southern Christianity in this country, like that's a very impassioned sort of, you know, preaching style. It's a very like impassioned um, form of worship. You know, you you may not understand what somebody's saying and you, you may not even believe what they're saying, but God, if they're saying it passionately, yeah. you kind of listen to them, right? I bet that there's something um, like evolutionary or like developmentally that uh, humans respond to a particular kind of harmony in an emotional way. Cause I think that that's a lot of what happens in bluegrass is that there's a, it's actually very sophisticated music. It's really technical um, and complicated, but there's something about the way that we respond to it. That is, that is more emotional. How would, how do we characterize the spirituality of say bluegrass? So much of it seems to be focused on this idea of of hope in the afterlife when our sorrows will be no more, mm-hmm. right? Because we're miserable here on earth. And then that constantly recurring theme of, of Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of the, the, of the, the promised land on the other side, but the promised land isn't one in this world, but rather one in, one in the next. So there's almost seems to be kind of more of an opiate aspect to, to, the, to the spirituality of bluegrass as in religion being used for to console us. But at the same time, you also have very strong social justice themes going on in bluegrass. There are a number of songs about coal mining where the formula is that the miner dies while mining and then their bones become coal that somebody else mines later. Like there's a number of songs that that's the theme. And to me, that always seemed really profound. Like this idea of suffering yeah. and labor and, um, you know, the, and I mean, a lot of these songs were basically union songs. You know, there were songs right. that union right. organizers wouldn't sing. There's also a history to country music, you know, and I mean, and, and all this stuff, you know, rock music. It doesn't, it's not like someone started playing a guitar in the Appalachian mountains and suddenly it was country music. Right. So the, there are all those streams that flow into what you'd call country, and I can't think of them now. But sure, there, certainly there was hillbilly music back when, and then there was um, gospel stuff, and mm-hmm. then there was kind of a moonshine distillery and the mountains kind of stuff. I, I don't even know how it all works, but it all comes together and, and, and mixes into this amalgam called country. And, and I don't even know how to quite define it when I think about it. But yeah, I went to the uh, I forget what it, but the, the country music museum in nashville i was there earlier this year and it was fascinating there's so much people i'd never heard of or barely heard of who were huge and really influential i can't even think of them right now but some of those people with those pure voices like hey ah, and and that sound it's primal like you guys were saying earlier right there's almost like with bluegrass i feel like there is this sort of primal i guess i'll call it americana sound that mm-hmm. kind of sends shivers up your spine. 
because there's some recognition deep down. And I don't know, maybe you have to be from the South, but I'm not from the South and I get no, those shivers. I don't think so. I mean, I, I think Jeremiah tapped into something really important, which is that, you know, we were talking about kind of what, what defines modern day or, you know, pop country. But I remember growing up, like, what defined country music was suffering. Like mm-hmm. the songs were all about loss and about like, I lost my dog. I lost my <laughs> wife. I lost my job. I lost my truck. You know, like it was, it was all, it was always about suffering. Like that's what country music was about. And I think that those, I don't, that's not a Southern thing. That's a, that's a human being thing. It's the way that we're able to relate to the suffering that's uh that's in isaiah it's the way that we're able to relate to the suffering that's in the psalms that's not our history but we can still call it holy scripture right because we're human beings we understand that human beings can suffer um and i think well, country do, music taps into that yeah yeah I mean, that's yeah. A, it's universal yeah you know and it's something that i think we tend to gloss over a lot because i think you know as christians we we focus on good news. Like we just had this whole evangelism thing at my church recently. And it was all sort of like, I mean, I get it. Like it's evangelism. You want to put your best face forward, you know, (laughs) God's God's great. It's good news, you know, gospel. I get it. Um, But at the same time, like our Holy scripture has some awful, you know, just not awful, but just moments where human beings are saying, you know what, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I'm suffering. I'm in pain. And I'm going to put this at your feet. Yeah. And I'm thinking about like other popular music that the songs about suffering tend to be songs about brokenheartedness, like romantic suffering. But country music opens a, has a wider um, story to tell about human suffering. Like, obviously, there's lots of great country love songs, but there's also a lot about work, you know, and labor and poverty and um, addiction like it's not just every the only time you suffer is when your heart is broken by a lover like that's not it i'd say i'd say good country music or the appeal of country music to me is that at its root is is suffering right and the, the, this thing to to provoke to provoke empathy and identify with both the both, both i think both, both both the villain and the and and the victimized in different in different in different contexts mm-hmm. yeah there's poetry i had a friend in college who was a writer and, you know, he was a little out there here and there, but he, he was all about, I'm a writer, man, I'm a writer. And at a certain point, um, he said, all music sucks except for country music, because that's where the poetry is, and that's where the stories are, and that's where the narrative is, and no other music matters. And he, you know, in his own inimitable, inimitable way, he started wearing cowboy boots and uh, <laughs> cowboy hat from, you know, small town in Wisconsin. But... Um, but there we are, you know, um, I think he's, he's, you know, I love all kinds of music, of course, but it's easy for me to gloss over country music and dismiss it. And I think there's a wealth of gems in there if you give it a chance. And like lots of genres, there's a lot of stuff that you just would rather not listen to twice. The, the state of Nebraska is really big and there are different regions of it. And I've noticed that when I'm working with our churches in like ranching country, where the men, you know, like walk in the door and take their cowboy hat off and put it on a special rack in the church for their cowboy hats. There's like this hyper masculinity around that I perceive about that lifestyle. And those are the men that when I do retreats and meetings and ask them to share a story about um, 
a way that they've experienced the presence of Jesus in their life or in their church, they are the ones who weep easily and Mm -hmm. shamelessly. Like it's just very close to the surface emotionally. There's something about that agricultural life, I think, that puts you in a different orientation toward the creator. Like there's a humility around it. And country music is, even with all this bro country that we've, you know, referenced, there's a tenderness around masculinity that you don't, that is surprising, I think. So if you imagine, if I imagine like those guys driving around in their pickups and on their combines and whatever, or driving cattle, and that's the song in their ear, like that, that really fits my experience of that group of people. But um, it's kind of countercultural in a big way. So the poetry is a part of that. Like there's a real beauty and like a desire for beauty in that music. Yeah. segment on the podcast called um, Staff Picks, where someone just recommends something to our audience. So, Greg, you've got a staff pick for us. What did you bring? Oh, man, Liz. I I don't know how we've gone 98 episodes of this show. I don't know how we've done that at all. That's true. To be fair, period. Um, But extend that out by saying, I don't know how we've gone 98 episodes on a show about pop culture, and we haven't talked about American Vandal on Netflix. Okay, (laughs) here's the thing. (laughs) Liz has has gone black to American Vandal, but I am a huge American Vandal fan because it reminds me exactly of the kids that I work with on a regular basis. Like it feels, it feels like working with the young people that I work with. Uh, If you've never seen the show. So American Vandal is a faux documentary uh, on Netflix um, about probably the most inane crime ever committed where someone draws phalluses on the fa- on the cars of the faculty uh, at a school at a high school and so the high school AV club gets together and films this documentary trying to solve the mystery of who drew these 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 obscene images on the faculty car and it's like making a murderer style like it's it's, a super like crime documentary it's It's like making a murderer style and it's it's pretty it's it follows the exact same beats of something like a serial or something like a making a murderer where each episode kind of gives you just a few more clues to the crime so that you can kind of pick it up next week and it gives you a few more breadcrumbs and you just kind of follow it until you solve the crime. But here's the thing. The first season, I think it's funny. I think it ends in a 
unique way where it kind of exposes like how, well, that's actually an interesting word. It, it shows how young people are exposed in this world of you've got like memes and videos and stuff like that of your identity and yourself out there all the time. Like wh- what that does to people, like how it, how it affects the way they communicate, how it affects the way that they see each other. The first season is one thing. The second season is grotesque in its, in its crime. But the final episode, the conclusions that it comes to about um, how young people are relating to each other and technology. I was, I was, I was a little teary. It was, you know, it's a, it's a comedy, but it has this edge to it that makes it really kind of poignant and moments. And I don't know. I was a big fan. I know that I know it's not going to be for everybody, but um, if you stick through all two seasons, like I, I came away with it thinking, Having having more empathy for the kids that I work with. Yeah, so. I was talking to some of my students who are watching it, and it's the same way that, like, for the first three episodes of, say, the second season, you think it is a comedy, right? You think mm-hmm. this is going to be something funny, but then that this this profound cultural critique starts coming out. Not even not not just about kind of social media and you know and, and vulnerabilities with regard to privacy issues with regard to that, but also just the way that the way that our society is structured. I mean, privilege privilege and the contrast between the classes and the second season is set in this elite private school, right? Where a mm-hmm. huge issue becomes, should we give athletic scholarships? Um, is, is this huge thing that's raised the most powerful thing? Well, one of the most powerful scenes was where they do this, this, this immersion program in central America where they're supposedly helping, helping, helping people build houses or whatever, but it's just, it's, it's a vacation. They stay mm-hmm. in this, this, this high class resort and all of this party. And it's, it's a perfect example about, you know, how service and compassion completely gone off the rails mm-hmm. where this is about you. It's about it's about it's about me feeling good about myself because I'm doing something that seems to be OK. So American <laughs> Vandal, watch at your own peril. I recommend it, but I have a strong stomach. Thank you, Greg. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, you can find us at poppincollarspodcast.com. You can find us on all of the social medias. You can, of course, find us on uh, Apple Podcasts. And if you do that, please rate and subscribe and review us. That helps other people find our podcast. And you can also find us at EpiscopalCafe.com where we are a part of their Episcopal Podcasting Network. Um, Check them out for all of your Episcopal news and opinion needs. Uh, Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Ricardo. And thank you, Jeremiah, for joining us as our special guest. And And keep those colors popped. (laughs) 